This is the things we're talking about. How many of you guys like, I have no idea what you're talking about? So we're going to talk about how this, the proper stewardship of, of time. We talked about time. Didn't Opaluski do a great job last week? Man, it's like, I, I love that guy. He's so mean and so wise all at the same time, like a coach should be. Um, we're going to talk about the proper stewardship of resource coming up next month. And talk about the proper stewardship of the talents that God's made us stewards of, the things that God just made you to be uh, all the whole month of November. So we've got a lot of things to look forward to. Today we're going to be continuing our series talking about time management. And this is from two weeks ago, and maybe you guys recall. Anybody remember what the gold hour is? What's that, what's that all about? What's that hour for? It's, it's, it's my first hour, and I just want to give it to God. So I'm in bed with a blanket, with a bulldog, with a Bible, uh, with, and with a, a coffee. A black coffee, so it started with B, but really it's a little full of cream because I'm on the stupid keto diet. So it's, it's that first day. And for me, that's the best time. Now, Dina's a little bit different. Her best hour is not the first hour. The first hour, she gets up and she goes to the gym and she works out and she sweats and then she comes back and she gets ready and she grabs her iced tea and she grabs her breakfast. Then she comes to a, a quiet place and that's her best hour. So whatever your best hour, I'm not suggesting your best hour is your first hour, but for me, when I wake up, I'm, I'm five years old. I cannot wait to get up. I know that as soon as I get up, when I was a kid, Bozo the Clown was going to be on. I know that if, if I got up too early, Catherine Kuhlman was still going to be on and frighten me. But then right after Catherine Kuhlman was Oopsie Daisy and Bozo the Clown and all that kind of stuff, right? So I, that's my best hour. Now it's not Bozo the Clown. It's Starbucks the Coffee. Somebody say amen. All right. Now beyond that, we've got these 11 hours we put in grain, and that was the hours to work. You, you got to do something. We're not put on this earth just to, to pray and sleep, right? So we got to do work. We're going to talk about that today. And then these, these orange hours, we had five hours in this daily schedule we put together two weeks ago. That was, I'm done working. I'm not sleeping. I, I've given, I've blessed and honored God with the very first hour. Now I've got family, friends, recreation. Um, I, I've got all kinds of hobbies. I've got relationship. I've got people in need I want to minister to. But that's the stuff that puts life back in you. So if I'm taking the blue hours to sleep, the golden hour to give it to God, the green hours to work, and the orange hour to, to enjoy, here's the question, and it's not a trick question, and everybody can answer. What is the largest block of time you're probably going to have during the course of your day? It's going to be work. So just talking about rest as if work is evil, you, you don't work so much. You got to work, you got to have a schedule so you don't have to work. Listen, we need to work hard. We need to enjoy what we do, produce great things out of it. I mean, work doesn't have to be a drain on us. We can actually position ourselves in time, do the things we don't want to do, so we get to do the things that we do want to do and we're created to do. That's all in our future. So this morning, I want to look at the largest block of time. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about work. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. If you've been here more than a month, you've seen this verse more than once. This is my life verse. We are God's workmanship. And the word workmanship there is the word poema. We get our, our modern word poem. We are the, the handwriting of God. When God created everything, he did it with words. The Lord said, let there be, and there was. And then the Lord said this, and it happened. And the Lord said, and there was, right? So God, God creates through words. You are his creation. You are his poem. You are the cadence and the rhythm and the, the rhyme that makes sense. In this generation, as who he created you to be, you fit into the cadence of a poem. You are God's poema. You're God's workmanship. You're created in Christ Jesus, so we've been born again. We've accepted the mercy of God. Our spirit man has been raised from the dead. Our soul now, we're, we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're standing on the promises of God and the Word. We're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good what? 
works. And that word's ergon. Now, ergon is not poema. Poema is this creative, it's only used one other time in all of Scripture. Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 20, where it talks about God has revealed himself through what's been created, through what's been poema, so that men are without excuse. He's saying this, if you see the beauty of creation, if you see that the complexity of the poem, it is irresponsible to say there's no poet. Right? That's what he's saying. So now what he's talking about with us is God's created us to do good works, and this is the word aragon. It literally means to take your mind, your hands, your, your back, your creativity. Your creator created you to create. Your builder built you to build. Your architect designed you to design. Does this make sense? Everything that God has created you to be is an expression of who he is. It's not a full expression, but your part in the body of Christ expresses once it's collected, once it's joined together with the rest of the body of Christ, gets to show Jesus in a three-dimensional way. So those of you that are here today that are musical, thank you for that. Those of you that are here today that are just the friendly, you're so sweet that when people hug you, they need insulin afterwards, right? People that are here that are so like dedicated to numbers, they can sit in a cubicle and add other people's money all day long. God bless you. I would need strong medication to make it four hours through that, right? I'm, and I'm here to tell you guys, once we all do what we're created to do, this beautiful thing connects and forms and then functions as Jesus himself on this earth. Right? It's pretty cool. So, um, so break it down, right? So God created you, poema, and gave you the ability and desire to work and create, and that's your Aragon. So put a pin in that for a second because to say, okay, I, I don't know what to do next. Like, thank you. That's a beautiful fact. I'll figure out the Chinese characters and tattoo it on my arm if you want, but I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with it. This is the good news. You ready? God has given us some help. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for what? There's that word again, ergon. So in the church, in the environment, my job as a pastor, teacher, whatever I am, I, how many of you guys know there's a, there's a sixth ministry gift called the hybrid mutt? I'm the hybrid mutt, okay? I don't know what. Are you a pastor? It's like, I don't like people sometimes. I don't think so. <laughs> are you a teacher? It's like, ask my teachers. They'd say no. You know, are you a prophet? I can't see the future to tell you the answer to that question. I, I don't, you know what I mean? Are you an evangelist? I mean, I care about souls, but I, I mean, I, I'm in a local congregation. So what, when I say, what are you? I, I, let's not be con confined by a few words if you're something other than those few words. That makes sense? But these are offices, and they're biblical offices. I don't think they're the only list of biblical functions, biblical offices, but these are some, I believe, not all. And so when you look at this, God's people and the gifts that God puts inside of people are supposed to prepare people to be who they're created to be. So sometimes the word coach isn't up there. The word drill sergeant isn't up there, because what well, it is, but it's in the Satanic Bible. The, 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 the word mentor is not up there, but how many guys know we have people in our lives that, that like an artist with a chisel and a hammer begin to reveal the Jesus that's inside of us by chipping away what doesn't look like the person we're supposed to be. And we have other people that sit back, like, like uh, was it Michelangelo? Look at his, his, I think it was David, right? There was a block of stone he stared at for four years before he ever took the first chip out. He had to see what was in the stone. And they asked him, how did you do such a beautiful job creating this? Like, how did you? He said, listen, I, I saw it when I looked at the stone and I just cut away everything that didn't look like David. Right? So that, that's the process we have in show. This iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, Proverbs 27, 17. We have a role in one another's lives. It's not just the pastor. But let's say this. God can use anybody to help you become the person you're supposed to be, even your enemies. God can use anything to prepare you to be what you're supposed to be, even hard stuff. Right? 
We know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, right? So today, I simply want to do this as, as playing my role in the body of Christ in your life. I want to ask you some questions. Are you using what God gave you to use? Are you, are you doing the work God gave you to do? Are you doing that work the right way? Are you producing the right stuff that God cares about? Are you fulfilling the purpose that God created you for, right? So we're going to play a game. How many guys like games? Today's going to be a little bit different. Today's been fairly normal. It's about to become different. How many guys like different church? How many of you guys are like, I'm afraid? I, I don't. He's got that look like he's about to enjoy my suffering. I am. There you go. So here's the game we're going to play. It's called Blessing or Curse. Who wants to play? Just kidding. It's, you're all, you're all going to play. I'm going to read you some scriptures about work, and I want you to decide, is the work I'm describing, the work I'm reading about in scripture, is, it a, is this work a blessing or is this work a curse? You ready? Here we go. Number one, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, Adam, and he put him in the garden of Eden to work. And there's the Hebrew word, avad, A-B, let's, let's pronounce A-B-V-A-D, avad. And so God put man in the, in the garden to do the work, there's the word, and take care of it. Now, is God putting Adam to tend the garden a blessing or a curse? I said, thank you. That was so easy. Good. I won't even elaborate then. Absolutely. It was a blessing. Exodus chapter 1. Now Egypt and Pharaoh and Israel, right? God's people again. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and Abvad and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields and all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Is this work a blessing or a curse? Absolutely. Next one. Let's try this. Moses, no, just a little backstory. Moses, they're all free, but they've been slaves for 10 generations. They, uh, they have problems, and there's no one to solve the problem. If you and I disagree and we're people of goodwill, we have to go to a third person. Well, the only third person that could arbitrate or rule in all of Israel was Moses. So three million people, all suffering from slavery issues, oppression, uh, addiction, abuse, um, wrong usage of power. There's going to be problems aplenty. Three million people had one place to go to have someone to make a decision about it. And murder was illegal. So they only had one place to make it all work. So the line outside Moses' tent to, to have him understand a problem, hear from both sides, arbitrate if he could, decide if he couldn't, make a rule, and send them out the door happy. One more would be happy, one would be upset. That's what the dude did all day long. How many of you guys... Just, no thank you. I, how many guys have more than one child? You do this all day long. Anyway, right? So he's, he's, he's doing something. Again, the question, blessing or curse? Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Now, the first one was obvious. Second one was obvious. What about this one, blessing or curse? It's kind of a blurse. Right? It's kind of a, a caressing. That just sounds creepy when I say it. It's, it's not, right? So it, it was a blessing, poorly managed, that became a curse. Does this make sense? Think of Moses' work this way. Moses didn't have the wrong work. He did the right work wrong. And there's, there's a silence that's telling and a chuckling that was telling in this room. It's not that it's the wrong work. He's doing the right work. He's just doing it so poorly that the blessing of that position, the blessing of authority, that blessing of being who God made him to be and, and functioning in God's kingdom the way that he was created to, he just did it so poorly that the weight of the blessing literally became as if it were a curse. And we're getting somewhere, right? So um, work can be a blessing to prosper. 
Work can be a curse to punish, and a mismanaged blessing can have the same effect in your life as a curse. So let me ask you an important question. You ready? What makes work a curse or a blessing? It has been our honor to serve you for almost 25 years. And in 25 years, I have never said the words I'm about to say to you now from this platform or any other. No, I'm not resigning. There's a weird silence. No, no. Some of you are like, oh, darn. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm staying. I'm staying right here. Yeah. Yeah, one yay. Thanks, Mom. Good to have you here today. Where's everybody else? I don't understand, Cheryl. I'm going to ask you for the next three minutes, and we're going to play some music. Tech guys just found out about this. I'm going to ask you to turn to one, two, or three people and discuss amongst yourselves that question that's on the board. Now, some of you guys are like, I came to the church to be invisible. I want to welcome you to the Freedom Center. So, like, I'm shy. I don't want to talk to anybody. Listen, if it really is that painful, I understand. You don't have to talk to anybody, but I will be glaring around the room looking for people such as yourselves to write down, you know, your names and, and then pray for you. That fleas would infest your armpits, okay? All right. When I say go, music's going to play. You have three minutes to ask yourself that question. What makes work? We've seen Abvad being good. We've seen Abvad being bad. We, we, we've seen Aragon being good. We've seen Aragon being bad. In your own words, with your own lives, from your own testimony, your own story, your own observations, what is it that makes work good or bad? In your market set, go. Three minutes. The students are like, we get to talk in church? I love this place. I love this place. This is so weird. <laughs> hey, those of you that are really friendly, find someone not talk and say, hey, join our group, man. Just make it easy on them. Uh, Katie, you're, you're documenting this, right? It's never happened before. Chances are it may never happen again. One minute left. What makes work a blessing or a curse? <laughs> I'm getting text messages from friends, and I think they're sarcastic. I don't know. 30 seconds. What makes work a curse or a blessing? 30 seconds. Those who are enduring this, the pain's almost over with. Those who are enjoying this, you're almost ready to land the plane. Curse or a blessing? Ten. Nine. Three. Two. One. Boom. All right. Give yourselves a hand. We've never done it before. Either you did it or you survived it, but you're the first in a quarter century. Now, something else, kind of weird, show of hands, I think I have something to add to this conversation, and I'm going to shout it from my seat, what, what I think makes work a curse or a blessing. Somebody want to shoot their hand up? I'm looking for a hand in the room to say I, I'm willing to participate. I see that hand, Matthew. Ten seconds worth. Go for it. So you're so overwhelmed, you feel like you can't give any more. That would make a, a blessed job 
A curse, right? Okay, good. Somebody else. I see that hand, Lucas. Your mindset. My what? Mindset and attitude. Oh, thank you. You're like, you're like the talk show guy. Hey, your mindset. What's up? Hey. Right? So one guy's like, I love this job. And I says, I hate this job. It's the same job. One guy walks in with a poopy diaper on and stinks up the room, right? I see a hand in the back there and with a smiling face, too. Thanks, Pastor Kyle. I said it's a blessing when it provides and a curse when it divides, like your family. What it, a blessing when it unites and a curse when it divides. So everybody should cheer for Michigan. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Okay. Or Wisconsin. Yeah, after yesterday's game. One more. Who else says that? I see a hand up over here. It's, it's, uh, it's right. I see a hand, but I see glare as well. Here we go. Yes, right there. Oh, uh, I was just going to say reward or compensation. What's that? Your wages, your compensation, your reward. Okay, he's going to be a deacon. Somebody write that down. What's your name, sir? <laughs> Vote for me in November. Okay, good. Good. Thanks. Again, awesome. Now, here, here's, here are my thoughts, okay? You guys got involved. Thanks for preaching my sermon. I'm not sharing my pay because I, I need that, right? That's part of my rewarding conversation. It was a couple of thoughts. Some things are given by God. Some things are imposed by men. It's the same job, right? A slave and a son can do the exact same job. A slave can take care of livestock, farm a field, uh, you know, fix a meal, and a son can do the same thing. But one is forced upon them. One is a blessing of ownership. Does that make sense? Another one I came up with was just a thought. One is the evidence of freedom, and one, again, is the evidence of slavery. Like, I, I get to go to work. I, I get to go entrepreneur. I get to go mow a lawn. I get to go, or man, I, I have to, because if I don't, I'm going to lose my house. If I lose my house, I'm going to lose my wife. And if I lose my wife, I'm going to lose my kids. And if I lose my kids, only people, lawyers are getting rich and families are getting poor because I, I'm a slave. Before I make a single dollar for myself, I have to work three weeks out of the month just to pay the people that I owe. And then the last week I get to work with me. Financial Peace University starts in October. But I'm not allowed to promote it from the platform, so I won't. Okay, right? So now we said all that. I've got, that's just seven minutes left which is being generous to me, but not necessarily to you. So let's try to do this as quickly, but efficiently as we can, all right? We said all of this not to ask the questions we've asked, but to, to lead you to this one question. And it's this. Is what you do for work a blessing, or is it a curse? It isn't about them anymore. It isn't about people that, that died 4,000 years ago in the desert. It's about us. I mean, I think God's speaking to us, not just about them. So if God's speaking to you, then the question is simply this. Like, is what you do... Is, are you doing it as a, as a behavior? We're going to spend 11 hours a day going to it, coming back from it, preparing for it, cleaning up after it. If we're going to spend 11 hours a day, six days a week, I mean, you know, God doesn't say, well, that's to curse you, but the rest, you know, the rest time blesses you, but your work time curses you. How many guys know you can live a blessed life? Three. Well, that's discouraging. I was having a blessed life until nobody responded to that last statement, Pastor J.D., and now I'm wondering if I want to do this anymore. Okay, I'm back now. I'm good. It's okay. But I have six minutes left to convince you of my key point. <laughs> or I'll take 12. How many guys are with me now? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So hear me, guys. I believe with all my heart we can do things we actually care about with people that we enjoy to do things that actually produce what you were created to produce. Man, who wants to live that way? <laughs> you know, I remember going to school. I never woke up and said, good morning, Lord. I woke up every morning and said, good Lord, it's morning. And if there was any excuse not to, I have the sniffles, I have cramps. <laughs> I mean, I took my sister's excuses because they got to stay home. I'll make them mine. 
I was seven, but I, my dad's like, yeah, you got cramps, go. No, I, I got cramps. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> my mother was a nurse. Go sit on the pot. You know, okay, all right, that's how you feel. I can't feel my legs anymore. I've been here for 20 minutes. <laughs> Going to school with toilet boil, was it toilet bowl polio? Is that what they call it? Or you're just kind of like, I'm sorry, way too much, way too much. Uh, I, I'm just here to tell you this, guys. Um, think about this. Is, is your work evidence of the freedom that comes from obedience or the evidence of slavery that comes from a former disobedience? We work so hard. And, and please, this is the American way. I'm not dis dispersing my country, but there's a great industry that markets to us that they, because we spend a lot of money doing these things, we have to spend a lot of time earning the money. But true or false, a lot of people are working harder than they should to pay off debt they didn't need because they bought stuff they thought they wanted to impress people like their neighbors that they don't even like. <laughs> right? So you realize there's like freedom from that. And one little child said, a mom, and nobody else said a word. Listen, there's freedom from that. Now, it's, it's a, there's a journey to slavery. There's a journey to liberty. There's a decision we can make that sometimes is extraordinarily difficult to change careers or change jobs or change habits. Um, but I'm not talking about money yet. We're talking about that next month. But right now, I'm just talking about your time. If you're going to spend 8, 10, 11, sometimes more time than that, hours per day, multiple days per week, hating what you do, can I suggest to you, you might be in the wrong spot you might be doing it for the wrong reasons. Maybe the security it provides is something God's like, and when it causes enough pain, you might learn to trust me for your security. Right? Maybe the money it provides that makes you something you're not without it, God can say, you know what, I can take that away in a heartbeat and show you what you are, or I can lead you towards a place where your needs are decreased and your contentment is increased. Who's wealthier? The man with everything that can't sleep at night because of the anxiety of the maintenance and the bills? A person who has nothing and lays their head on a pillow contently knowing that they're in the center of God's will. If I were to put up a yacht and a beat-up rowboat and I said, who's happier, the guy who has the yacht, the guy that has the rowboat? The answer is, I don't know because the yacht isn't supposed to make us happy and the rowboat's not supposed to make us unhappy. The guy that owns the yacht is a drug dealer. And the DEA, that's the picture they took just before. They put a bullet through his hull. He's living the rest of his life in prison. Well, you know, whatever. Or the guy that has the rowboat, he just bought that rowboat because for the next two summers, he and his grandson are going to sand it down to, to bare wood and lacquer it and put an engine. And that's the, that's the center of their relationship. Now, which one's happier, the rowboat guy or the yacht guy? Right? So it, but one is built around people and time and relationship. And one's built around more, more, more. Never enough. You hear what I'm saying? The person who has enough is far more content than the person who doesn't have enough, regardless of what they have. Everybody is, wakes up every day with the same amount of time offered to them, every individual, the wealthy, the poor, the powerful, the weak, the victim, the slave, the, 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 uh, the dictator, the perpetrator, the, everybody has this 24 hours, so many hours of daylight, so many hours of dark. That's all we have. Time is not like money. You're not a money, you can always find more. You ran out of time, you ran out of time. You can, you can always figure out how to use money by changing your habits, but time uh, misspent is hard to redeem. How, how do you get your kid's childhood back now that you're sober? How do, how do you get your kid's childhood back now that you're not a workaholic? How do you, how, I mean, thank God for grandkids because we can do it right the second time and just spoil them rotten. Here's an espresso, a puppy, go home to your mother. I love that. That's, that's a wonderful thing, right? So are you doing what God gifted you and created you to do? Is your work satisfying or just sustaining? 
Are you doing the work because you have no other choice? And last thought is, is this. Is your life an extension of the poem? Remember poema that glorifies the poet? Or does your work not rhyme with what's been written about you? I was in Cadillac Tuesday helping a church planner, and I saw that on the side of a coffee shop. I just took a picture of it. If you can't see it, it says this. Roses are red. Mornings are hard. I stink at poetry. Coffee. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny because it's a coffee shop focusing on coffee, and I feel dumb that I read the whole thing. Coffee. But, but let me tell you something. As silly as that lack of poetry is, is it not a good illustration for maybe some of us who are living right now? Silence in one cleared throat. It's just so much fun to be here today. I'm just challenging you to think about it. Um, work is our largest investment of time. We all have to do what we have to do, and hopefully in some part of our life we get to do what we want to do because we've, we've been disciplined. We've been educated, which may not have been so much fun, so that we can teach. We've been disciplined in medicine so we can go on to be a doctor. We've been disciplined in basic training so we can go on to be a soldier. We've been disciplined in the early years of marriage so we can go on to you know, a successful long-term marriage, what, whatever that is. We all got to do what we got to do, but isn't the goal of doing what we got to do that we someday get to do what we want to do or even what we were created to do? I think probably the greatest detriment to the American dream is that so many people lie on their deathbed, look back and go, really? That, that was it? That was it? It's, I didn't appreciate it for what it was. I didn't value it because there's always more time. Well, there's not always more time. Maybe it's a drastic change you need to make. Maybe it's a small one. But I think if you ask yourself these questions, you'd be heading in the right direction. You got a camera, you want to think about it, take a picture of that. Maybe find the one that stands out to you and just meditate on it. But are, do you have the right master? Or are you you're like serving a slave master because you work for three and a half weeks every month before you begin to work for yourself and your dreams because everything you make is already owed to somebody else. Maybe some of you, you're, you're gotta, you'd have to work five weeks, but there's only four. You're going deeper in debt every month, deeper in, in debt to your time and lack of energy. And, you know, you got the right master. You got the right work. Are you really doing what you're created to do? Are you heading towards what you're created to do? I mean, God doesn't waste anything. So there are things that we can that you'll learn in difficult seasons that God will redeem in, in glorious seasons. But are you doing the right work? Are you heading towards it at least? Are you doing it for the right reasons? I'm working so hard because I have a family and I want to bless my family and I, I want to give them the things that I didn't have when I was a racial. I worked seven days a week. I'm trying to build a business. And for the last four years, I've been missing because my family. Can I, can I suggest to you, sir? Can I suggest to you, ma'am, that maybe your family would be better off having a mother or a father than having a rich mother or father? Can I suggest to you that the time you're spending away may be costing you things that can never be repaid? I'm, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just asking the question, is it or is it not, right? Now, listen, Adam, you guys just getting ready, right, to start the life together. You guys get married in, like, two weeks or something? Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. So, I mean, as you get in your rhythms, don't, don't do everything. Do the thing that you're supposed to do, right? You guys have been married. You have 19 kids and counting, right? You're running this global business, and, you know, you're, you're, I mean, it's, you guys work really hard. I mean, I, ask yourselves these questions. Am I doing it? with the right master, the right work, the right reasons, the right way. Maybe a fifth one, the right season. Because there's seasons to work really hard, and there's seasons not to. How many of you guys have said this lie to yourself? When I'm done with this, things will go back to normal. Right? The only thing that is normal in your life, there's a setting that's on your dryer. This is normal. No, nothing else is normal. My time's done. Stand to your feet, please.
you've asked yourselves questions, you've talked about it amongst yourselves. I think we've presented scripturally that work can be a blessing, can be a curse, or can be so blessed that mishandled can feel like the weight of, of a curse. It wasn't supposed to be, but it's become that. And now I entrust to you these 11 hours. Would you take one hour to examine where you're gonna spend the next 60? Week after week after week after week? I, I think a stitch in time saves nine. I think a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I, th I think all the things Ben Franklin said about work, you know, uh, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. I mean, the guy had great proverbs, exactly what I'm talking about now, and he knew it. Um, I'm just here to tell you this. A life unexamined will be a life wasted. Because if you're not living by some disciplined design, you're going to live it by an undisciplined default. And I don't want that for you. My place in the body of Christ, whatever those fivefold or the other ones that weren't up there, I am. I know I'm supposed to say this to you. Take a good look at you. Take a good look at us. Take a good look at yours. And decide whether or not those questions have the right answers or the wrong answers. And here's the hardest part. If you find that something's wrong, you've got to have courage or, or, in this case, faith in God that it's, it's okay to change it. I can't stop working. I'm so far in debt. I, I get that. But where there's no promise to stand on, there can be no prosperity that's inevitable. inevitable. Does that make sense? So, God, I need to get out of debt. God, I need to do my schedule. I need to live different. I need to, and God, it's impossible. I've got debt. I've got kids. I got, I, there's no way. I, okay, God, what I need from you is a promise that, that there's a day of deliverance that's on its way. And that is an excuse to continue to live unwisely, but it is a promise that, you know, you're working towards an end goal. One year from today, I will no longer be blank. That's much more powerful than someday my prince will come. Right? Father, I pray over your people today that a wisdom, a courage. We talk a lot about generosity here. God, I pray they be generous to themselves as you are generous to them. If they make decisions based on these answers and it's your spirit leading them to those conclusions, it's, they're not fighting you. You're fighting with them. You're on their side. You're, you're beside them fighting this fight. You're fighting for them. You're, you're paving the way. I have, I have been so far out of money that I didn't even talk about budgets, but when I established a budget, somehow you established a blessing to meet the budget. I live carelessly, and I've suffered the, you know, what happens when you don't plant fields, and wind takes away the seed, and there's no plan. Planting in January doesn't make any sense at all. So you got to plant at the right time, the right way, the right stuff, the right amount. So God, I pray let a wisdom come upon your people that governs, that, that opens doors of great blessing. And may we use time in our wheelhouse that you create us to use. May our Aragon glorify the poema. May, may our lives have that last line. You know, Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow and everywhere that Mary went and we get to choose how that last word rhymes with our life. Coffee's the wrong answer. So the lamb was sure to go. I mean, that, that rhymes. It has a rhythm to it. It's, it's unique and it flows and it's singable. And remember, like, let our lives be the last, the, let our Aragon be the last line in the poema that you created us to be. And we're so grateful, God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, 30 seconds, the service is over with. But if you're here today and you're not right with God, what, what's the right thing to do, Jim? Like, I, I don't know what to do here. This situation plus all situations. I mean, you could be here today struggling with the, the, the deepest of addictions, the, the most difficult of sin, the most heinous crime. Or you could just be having to tweak your schedule an hour a day, all right? The answer is the same regardless of the question. The answer is Jesus. 
turning to Jesus and not away from him. Building a relationship with Jesus and not wandering from one. Establishing a beachfront of, of covenant with God versus just waiting for the Nazis to all die of old age. Like, you're going to invade. You, you, need, you need the power of God to come with you on that journey. So today, if you're not right with God in any area of your life, regardless of my opinion of it's a big sin or my opinion that's so silly, it's a small sin, like sin is sin. And the answer, the solution to sin is Jesus. You're here and you're not right with God. Jesus is your answer. So God, we give you our sin. We give you our schedule. We give you the parts of us that are enslaved. We give you our relationships. We give you our hurt. We give you our fear. We give you everything because you gave us everything. And in the place of fear, we pray faith would rise. And in the place of out of balance, balance would rise. And in the place of foolishness, wisdom would arise. God, we, we come to you needing help, not come to you saying, as soon as I'm in shape, I'll go to your gym. I'm not in shape. I need you to help me. I need a heart transplant. I, I need a head transplant. I need a, a spirit transplant. Save me, rescue me, help me. If that's your prayer today, on any level, would you raise your hand? My eyes aren't open. I, I'm not making any counting. I'm just before you and God, that act of faith. God, that's me. Raise your hand right now. God, that's me. That's me. Whatever that hand means, Father, by your word and your spirit, by your word and your spirit, create a foundation for us to build on now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Altar workers are coming forward. Um, if you need prayer for anything, walking with needs yet unmet, that's what this altar's for, man. If you got everything you need, go grab your kids, go home. Today was the perfect weather day for pastors. It wasn't raining, but it wasn't nice. So if you need prayer, come this way. If not, go out and walk in the rain. You are dismissed, even though half of you have already left.